Hey guys, welcome to episode number eight. My name is Mike Krausen, one of the founders of Fit Legacy. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Greg McCoy, who has just opened up a brand new gym here in Allen, Texas. It is called Hidden Gym. Uh, if you don't know anything about Greg, he has a long line of successful gyms in the Texas, uh, the Dallas, DFW area. Um, that's how I got to first know him through coffee. A pretty cool story. I'll tell you about that. But no further ado, Greg. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right, man. So we have this brand new gym here. But before we get into that, I want to back up to the beginning. Um, but the first question I got to ask you is, how do you take your coffee? Oh, man, I like I like it with two scoops of non-dairy creamer and two Splenda. That's my that's my recipe. Very sweet. <laughs> I like it. Um, so just a little background about me and Greg. So I had no clue who Greg was, who he was to the area, I'm new to Texas, new to Dallas, right? And so Abby um, reached out to Tana about our coffee company, right? And then she was like, Abby was like, yeah, her husband's going to join. I was like, okay, great. We'll meet at destination. And that's what, you know, Tana said. I was like, okay, cool. So we'll meet there. I've been wanting to go to that gym. So we sit down, talk, and Greg mentions nothing about who he is, what he does, or anything. And we start to build a relationship. Everything's going good. And then he also is working with some of the same people I am. And I believe it was Guy Sister Nino at the time. Yeah, yeah. And so you come in, and we're, like, working out together as a group. And then we're in the middle of the working out, whatever. And I'm like, man, Greg, Greg's a really cool dude. He's like, yeah. He was like, he owns this gym. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, you didn't know Greg owns this gym? And I was like, no, I didn't know Greg owned Destination. And I was like... He's so much cooler now. <laughs> so that just goes to show, like, everybody I've met and I talked to you about you, my first words in my mouth, the nicest, most humble guy you'll ever meet. Um, and I mean that true to my core. Appreciate it. This Appreciate guy it. is out for the community um, over himself, and it shows. And I want to dabble into that later about sure. what community and charity actually does to inside your area and what it does for the community and building a presence. Mm -hmm. But let's just dive in, man. Do you do personal training now? But like, how did you get started in the wanting to open up a gym and how did you do it? Yeah. Um, man, it started a long time ago for me. I mean, I, I started lifting weights, you know, when I was 13 years old and, um, I had just had this kind of vision, you know, probably at, or as early as the age of 16, I was telling my dad, you know, it'd be awesome to own a gym. And my dad's a business owner. So we kind of always chatted about that. And that being my favorite place to be, I was, you know, that was always kind of my dream was, yeah. you know, I want to own a gym. Um, and so I, I took, took those plans from high school into college and it was kind of my, the project I used through college, I would show business plans to my professors and if we had a class class project where we got to you know come up with our own ideas you know I would use the gym and we would come up with all kinds of crazy ideas so nowadays my fraternity brothers always ask me for a cut um, because they worked on projects <laughs> with great. me that's great <laughs> um so did your degree match you know like wanting to open up a gym you know some people like oh, I started philosophy and now I'm a personal trainer or did you know from the beginning of starting college like I'm going to get a fitness business degree well I, I got a degree in in marketing um and I really enjoyed it um I always kind of joke though because 
Um, I was one of the only people that got a marketing degree that set out to get a marketing degree. Like sure. most, most everyone that ends up in marketing failed from biology. <laughs> right. No, totally. I get But that. no, I, I really wanted, uh, I do enjoy the marketing aspect of business and I took some business classes in college and, or I mean in high school and I definitely knew that was the area that I wanted to study. And it catches people off guard soon not with a lot of my personal training clients are like, where do you learn all this stuff? What's your degree? I'm like, oh, marketing. <laughs> right. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's funny. I've, I'm assuming that some stuff has been useful, but in today's age, a lot of what you kind of learn in college as far as marketing is 10 years behind the cusp of what it actually needs to be. But yeah, definitely. Like, I think the bigger, like broad stroke strategic stuff. Um, a lot of it's the same, you know, it's like good strategies from 30 years ago are still good strategies today. But I mean, on what I work on, on a day-to-day basis, yeah, we didn't get social media coaching. We didn't get graphic design ideas. Like none of that stuff was like a thing. Right. You know, I think my, I actually, when I was in college, I had a Facebook, but you had to have a college email account to, to be able to be on Facebook. Yeah. That's kind of the yeah, date, that was the, date that was when the that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I remember my older brother talking about that. Um, and that was still when I was on MySpace. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't end up getting a Facebook until later in high school. I was behind <laughs> the curve on everything. Um, but I was also raised on a farm. I was like, I don't need none of that, man. That's pointless. <laughs> and now I'm like, man, if I would just stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so funny story you didn't know, but when I was in college, um, did bodybuilding. I competed like 12 times when I was um, 19, 20, 21. But I wanted to open up my own gym as well. Okay. I built out business models. I sat down with people and tried to get funding and different things of that nature um, before I ended up moving to New York. And I sat down with a guy who is a friend, but he is, I look up to him, you know. Yeah. I, I think I was like, the younger you are, if somebody's successful, you look up to them no matter sure, what, sure. right? Like, they got money. Their opinion matters. Mm-hmm. And um, what he said with me stuck with it. And he goes, opening up a gym is, like, I think it was, like, 20% of all gyms succeed after five years. And they typically fall off. And it's like, you're, you're going into something that's going to fail. It's not if, it's when. And he was like, so you're already going to fight that curve. And he was like, you need to get off. You need to figure out how you can take those gyms that are failing and do a management of recreating mm. them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to run a business. Yeah. I was just a personal trainer and wanted to open up a studio. I was looking for $50,000, not half a million. Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of just completely changed my concept of like, okay, I need to look at the bigger picture here. And that's where I think a lot of like the community and stuff comes in. But so got the degree. You had this dream, this passion. And which gym did you open? How'd you do it? And yeah, sure. The, I think the first story, the first gym I opened, which was Metroflex Plano, is the most relatable to somebody that wants to get in the business. Because I was, I mean, a broke college kid that, you know, kind of pieced this thing together. And I had, I had luck. And I had, you know, in my belief, God on my side. Things happened that, you know, looking back on, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that worked out, you know. Right, right. But, yeah, um, so I grew up in Arlington, Texas, uh, home of Metroflex Gym. Right, um, which I think has, like, a huge factor because you're talking yeah. about the time, the prime time of Ronnie and all that. Oh, so yeah. it's like, you know, you're tying on to a name that people just got to go check out, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm Alabama, 
and I even knew about the gym, and I had to come check it out. So um, I definitely think that was a right move there is, like, catching on to something that was, you know, being successful at the time. So I think that was really smart. Well, it's funny, like, um, you know, I was working out since I was 13 years old, and um, I would drive past where I would, you know, eventually find out Metroflex was my whole life going to church and I didn't find out about it till I was like, you know, 17 and about to leave for college. Cause it's like hidden man. Right. And you yeah, know, unless, unless you, pro, you know, followed professional bodybuilding, you probably hadn't heard about it. So finally, like I hired a bodybuilding trainer, mm-hmm. um, Quincy Taylor. And he's like, we got to go, I'm going to teach you how to train legs. We're going to go to Metroflex. And you know, uh, I went there a few times with him and I saw Ronnie and branch and, you know, quickly put my shirt back on. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's how it all got started. So Brian wanted to license the name. Um, you know, now there's probably I don't know thirty Metroflexes or something. But at that time, it was just that one. Um, so you're telling me you were the first? To yeah. Lic- no way. Yeah, yeah. The first of a franchise. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I. Uh, I'm I w- also sure that had its own difficulties along with. Oh it yeah. Because Brian was learning too. You yeah, know, right along sure. with me. And so. as if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to be referring more to like franchise fees and money and rules and regulations and yeah that kind of stuff. The legality of carrying somebody else's name. Mm-hmm. But it was basic. You know, if anyone knows Brian, he's a simple guy. And right. um, Let's make it work. We had like a one page agreement. It was like must play loud music, must allow chalk, must put <laughs> a Christian thing on the wall. Like that was, right. you know, and then pay yeah. me my percentage. Like that was sure. the rules. <laughs> but yeah, so um, and I got uh, really lucked into a gym that was closing down in a small town that had a bunch of great equipment. They had all hammer strength stuff. And I gave them a horrible offer on uh, three storage units full of equipment and they said no and then they called me back two months later and said yes and I was like I guess we're doing this thing <laughs> yeah that's um it's hard to um doing my own research right like weight equipment is worth a lot new and it's and worth nothing it's worth scrap metal <laughs> when it's not new yeah so um if you, you don't have somebody that's willing to buy it you're stuck with it mm-hmm. so you got to take what you can get so yep. it's a lot of times you can for personal studios and whatnot, it is good to look and try to find those foreclosed gyms or people trying to sell out because they can't get rid of it. It's no. sitting somewhere. I'm in the same boat now. I mean, we're trying to move our new equipment in and, and just get rid of some stuff that was a high price tag for the former owners. And I, you know, basically have to give it away. Right. So yeah, find used deals, gyms that close down, you know, they're, they can't get rid of it more than likely. So the, right. your offer is the best offer. Right. Never, <laughs> never give them what they're asking. No. Um, okay. So Metroflex happened. And yep. then um, this next gym, um, I believe, is the one that, you know, in a sense put you on the map. And what I like to think is that you created a easy, like, top eight gym in the United States, whether you want to give yourself credit or not. Like, just the atmosphere, equipment. Mm-hmm. Um it was legit. So yep. let's talk about that. Yeah. So Metroflex Plano, we were there for um, almost five years. And then, so really the success of Destination, I would credit back all the way to 2011. Um, and it was my dad and I's uh, idea together. Um, we found a parcel of land. So the economy at the time, 2008, it crashed. Um, so I was kind of in the worst timing in history to start a business, Mm -hmm. which created challenges. And then, but the, uh, real estate got really cheap, Mm -hmm. 2010, 11, we found a piece of land and kind of 
put this scheme together that if we built a building and subleased out a good portion of it, that I could be in a brand new space for less than I was paying to be in, frankly, a crummy auto body shop. Sure. So it's a little more upfront investment, mm-hmm. but you're going to be getting paid as you're trying to run a business. So it's help cover the overhead of the, so if you can get the upfront cash. Yeah. And that's where my dad came into play. And, um, you know, I've had, I've taken criticism, you know, over, you know, over the years of like, oh, you know, that was Greg's dad that did that. And like, you know, my dad's in it to make money too. Sure. You know, the, the best, one of the best successes I've had in my whole life was when we sold that building and he was able to make a large amount of cash. I right. mean, for to set up my dad like that sure. is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we did that and we, we built, uh, started the building plans for destination all the way back in 2011. Um, we got the land, hired the architects, um, and then we were going to move Metroflex in there. So that was kind of the original plan was Metroflex. And then we had uh, a reseller. It was called Fit Gear Republic at the time that sold Gasp and Better Bodies. Um, the owner's name was Wade Warren, and um, he was a friend of mine. And um, he was going to rent space inside the building. And then we had an ultimate sports nutrition. So um, with those two tenants in place, then the gym was really set up for success and was able to to be in that iconic building that really, really t- took the place to the next level. Um, and, yeah, we moved in there. It took, you know, two years, probably a year past what we thought. Um, it never goes according to plan. No. And I learned a lot about that, you know creating a commercial building at the age of 26 or whatever, obviously there's going to be some issues. Sure, yeah, absolutely. But we learned as we went. Um, And what do you think that opening up those two gyms, and now you're on your third, what is the biggest mistake that you think you've made uh, in the process of um, opening or running a facility? Because some people might be like you or I are expiring to, do just that, open mm-hmm, up a location. Mm-hmm. Like what's that one thing that you go, do not do this? I think it's uh, it's to have too much overhead. So that's why I say, that's why I backtrack to 2011 and say that's actually the most successful thing that I did for Destination was two years before it opened. Because with that low overhead, we were able to, to do so much in that gym that if had we played a commercial rate, for that amount of space, the overhead would have been doubled to triple. Sure. And and I don't know that it ever would have, you know, I don't know if we would, could have made it sustain itself. Right. So, yeah, don't don't get into too much overhead. That's the number one killer. I, you know, I'm not uh, the guru in all businesses. I know it kills most gym businesses. I would imagine right. most other retail shops as well. Right. Um, and then... One thing that you've done a really good job of is uh, I felt like, well, two things. One, community, mm-hmm. right? So whether that be, and, and being niche inside your community, yeah. right? So like Metroflex is like super hardcore. And uh, I like to describe bodybuilders as like they're they're frugal, mm-hmm. but will spend a shit ton of money on something they want. Yeah, Like if they want it, they don't care, they'll spend it. But they don't buy uh, Starbucks. Yeah. For $3 every day, but they'll pay like hundreds of dollars in supplements a month. Yeah. So it's not that they don't spend money. It's just they're very picky. And when they love something, they're all in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you grabbing that niche, you know, by the horns and, and going with it, having people travel 
you know, if you're coming to Dallas, you got to go check out Destination. Mm-hmm. Even though it's like an hour drive away, you still get people to come in and do it. Um, and the only way to do that is create that ambiance and community. And then I think that the possible love-hate of it all is finding ways to get people in the door. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that might come with the past partnership of, and essentially I think the reason why you ended up leaving um, Destination was because just just business practices that are, are maybe not in your realm or fashion that you wanted or just, you know, when you can't do something the way you want to do it, sometimes it's time to go. And that was kind of my thing with Rye Supplements. Mm-hmm. Why I left it was um, I was an owner, you know, we were on the right track, but I couldn't make the calls of what I want to do on certain things. And um, it kind of just, you know, it puts like a thorn in your side because it's like, Something you did, you started, you created, sure. and it's not going the way you want it to, and you think it needs to go another way, and just why I just sold out completely, and I think a lot of why you did as well. But if there's anything yeah. you want to tack in onto that, yeah, sure. So I think like to answer the first question of what's the biggest mistake you made, you know, I, for those looking to open gyms, I would say the biggest mistake to watch out for is high overhead. But for me, um, you know, if I could go back and do things, I would have protected my vision more. I mean, I, I entered into a partnership, you know, because I was kind of, I believed in some big dreams that, and I wasn't so like, uh, protective of what I had created in the community that was, and I hate to say I, I mean, I really just harnessed the community. I, I like to say that destination was kind of built by the people. Sure. Um, I just was like kind of guiding it. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really convicted to hold on to that. I was chasing, you know, always wanting to achieve more. And so I kind of got in over my head on some partnership deals and, you know, you kind of go a couple years and you're just working really hard. And then all of a sudden you don't really recognize where you're at and you don't necessarily have the control over what you started, you know, and it's like, this is uncomfortable. And then when you really get down to it, you know, it's, it's not your baby anymore. And, you know, at that time I was like, you know, the, I didn't believe that the business I was in and the apparel business, that it was going to go the way that we thought. So I was rather just cut my losses, take some time and do another one. Sure. Um, and that's something I've heard the same person that told me that the gyms, like 20% of them stay alive after five years Mm -hmm. said that, the worst thing that he does is partnerships. He's yeah. like, I will not partner with anybody. And I always thought, I'm like, man, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. Like, these people can help you and whatnot. And that's what we do. A lot of times we sacrifice, right? That's what it is. Yeah. You sacrifice X, Y, and Z to get something in return that you don't have. That's mm-hmm. a partnership. The problem is, is that, and for coffee, for example, like, could I use a lump sum of money? 100%. Mm-hmm. I need it. Yeah. But I don't need money as bad as I need value. Yeah. Like, if you're not bringing something to the table, then all I'm going to do is resent you in five years that you're just sucking on my paycheck <laughs> and you haven't done anything. Yes, you you risked and gave money, but it's not worth the end of the day. I have the same thing right now. I've had so many people that are like, hey, let me help you with the gym. Let me invest, yada, yada. And it sounds, you know, they don't understand. And you're like, I don't I don't want your money. Right. And it's got nothing to do with money. Like, no, not at it's all. It's easier to get money than it is to get something from it that person. It comes with like, a what cost. Do you, what do you, you bring know? into the table, first of all, as a partner? Yeah. Because I don't need, I don't need money. If you want to give me money, 
then let's set up a loan and I'll pay you yeah. X amount. But I, it's really like percentage and partners in business that is really hard. So mm-hmm. like if you're looking to make money, then let's set up an ARP of some sort. Let me pay you. Yeah. But uh, to give up that piece, you know, and I had a, a wise man say, the guy that's worth tons of money, sold software. He's like, look at the business from this standpoint. If it's something that you're trying to take to the next level, like big, not mm-hmm. just like local, but like big, he goes, you need to save percentages for when you need an international warehouse. And I'm like, what? And he was like, <laughs> when you go global, yeah, you're going to need millions of dollars to establish a warehouse overseas and manufacture and fill it up with product and start distribution because you're not starting a small business anymore. You're starting with a global business. So he goes, that's when you have to give percentages. Yeah. He's like, look at the bigger picture and stop thinking about how can I do better tomorrow or today. Look down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's a funny because, I, you know, I sit here with coffee and um, you and Tom were the first people we talked to. Um, I'm not sure if you guys knew that at the time or not, but you were. And we'd started in 2017, December. That's when our first coffee launched. And I think we met with you um, just a few months in after mm-hmm, that, actually. Mm-hmm. But now that I look at it and it's like, you know, we're coming up on like 18 months, maybe, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I want to do like these amount of numbers this year. And like, we set out a goal, we put it out there. Like, yeah. we want to do 10 million by the end of next year. Yeah. Got a long ways to go, but we're putting the right pieces in the right place to make it happen. 10x, you know, Grant Cardone, we got to go big. Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it, you know. <laughs> um, but the, the big factor out of that is I watched an interview with, podcast with Joe Rogan and um, Aubrey Marcus uh-huh. from the owner of on it. And they're like, man, we've been here nine years. Well, look how far we've come. I'm thinking like nine years. Yeah. Like th- that's a long, like a decade. Yeah. I was still in college. So to look at it like that, it's like, okay, so where's our business going to be at in nine years? Mm-hmm. And then you go, well, this year doesn't really matter. How if I, if, yeah, you want to work and try sure, to get sure. there, but it's like, be patience like you know it's a compounding effect like just like the compounding effect of money there's a compounding effect of experience and i've noticed that opening this gym because this is 10 times easier just to create attention and create buzz and all that stuff you know if this was my my day one of my first gym ever like like when i did metroflex it was pretty quiet um, you know, now, you know, we're creating a gym and it's like a buzz, you know, it's the new you've place. You've already got the, yeah. you've already, you've, the compounding interest of all those hands you've shaken mm-hmm. at the previous gyms and all those years of people knowing what you do and your public speaking that you've gone out and done and like building that community. Um, so definitely hundred um, percent. And it's another thing that I you don't know, keep name dropping here, Gary V mm-hmm. patience, patience, patience. Yeah. Like, we all want it now, 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 when you got time. He preaches, you got time, you got time, just be patient yeah, and wait. It's like a weird, uh, being an entrepreneur, you kind of have to have two modes. There's like hustle mode, when it's like you're like cranking things off the to-do list, and you kind of got to be like that. But at the same time, nothing I've done that's been successful, like all the best things I've done, I wasn't in a hurry when I did them. They were things that developed over time, and they were big broad stroke uh, themes in the business. And it's like you sometimes you just got to take a breath from all that hustling and realize like, look, all this little stuff. Yeah, some of it is important, but the bi- the most important things are developed 
you know, when you're when you're in a clear head and you're thinking right and you're getting things done, right. the right things done. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's just roll right into that, man. Sure. Hidden gem. Yeah. So this place was recently the Den. Yep. And you've kind of taken what it was and turned it into actually something pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole hidden part of Den being in the name and the logo and the branding to me is on point. Yeah. Like I think that uh, I definitely think you're on to something thanks, here. Thanks. Um, and I, I'm not really in this area a lot because sure. I'm just on the other side of town, but, um, we were close to red, relatively close to where the Plano destination area was. Yeah. We're only a few miles up the road. Yeah. Um, tell me what's the inspiration behind this gym? Is it the same like Metroflex, hardcore, you know, bodybuilder style or is, is it changing or kind of what's your thought process on what it what it is and what it's becoming yeah no this one has an identity all its own and i've you know told people like look this isn't destination two you know we're going to do this different this is going to be its own have its own vibe um so metroflex had its own vibe that was intentional hardcore no ac that was like the whole thing we were going for you know just like the original destination was more like along the lines of what i had kind of always set out to do which was combine um, like Gold's Gym and Metroflex together. You know, you have open air, like with the bay doors. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the loud music of Metroflex. You kind of mush those together, and sure. you've got a really awesome atmosphere. Yeah. Um, now, this one I was really attracted to. Um, this one is more opportunistic in that I didn't, like Destination, I drew up from scratch. Like it was like, uh, but this one um, is my first time to ever acquire a business, sure. which I would uh, I would compare to jumping on a treadmill that's already on full speed. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the bills are due already sure. and you like yep. have to get stuff together yep. while the treadmill's well, going. It definitely has its ups and downs, right? <laughs> yeah. So like you kind of already have a client base a little bit to work off of and uh-huh. the shell's built, you have some equipment already, etc. It's just now we're coming in and remodeling, revamping and trying to appease the customers you already have. Yeah. Along with acquiring new ones. Mm-hmm. But it's like Part of what I always tried to do at Destination was have multiple disciplines under one roof. Um, so we had bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman. That was kind of the main three. Now here, you know, we've got the boxing element. Um, we've got a great boxing program all the way from, you know, beginners doing just want to get fit to, you know, pro fighters that you watch fight in UFC on TV. And then Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, and then there was a pretty good CrossFit community here. So... Um, I was really excited that we could bring our element, add in some of the bodybuilding, powerlifting, and the people that associate with that lifestyle and mix it in with the boxing and the BJJ. The energy in this place is just going to be insane. Right. Um, When I was uh, 2016, January 9th, I stepped on the mats for the first time as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Nice. Um, I just got promoted to Blue Belt last month. It's been a quite a journey tore my pec and everything uh doing competitions i stopped lifting it's hard to come from 250 to try to like yeah on the mats yeah um but i will say for everybody that's listening if you've never done jujitsu um you should start um have you taken a class before i haven't i it's oh on i'm going to they've been bugging me to get in there and i, I want to do it it's, it is awesome yeah um the difference between class one and class ten uh-huh is like it's so uh, eye-opening yeah to where you don't trust no one because that little guy 150 pounds you thought you had control over <laughs> will snap your neck off and you know break your arms it's so funny though because i went into a class 
with the great Tom DeBlas, which is like a really famous guy from New Jersey, mm-hmm. most humble dude, but like a badass on mm-hmm. the planet. And um, I walk into his class, and he like has this student who's got glasses, and he's a little, little dorky, and he slaps him on the back and goes, don't let this guy fool you. He's a badass. And I was like, yeah, sure. okay. Sure. <laughs> and then he comes up and like kicks the bag, and he just like bends it in half. Oh, and my I was God. like, oh, my God. Like, from that moment on, I was like, don't trust nobody when you go out in public. Mm-hmm. Everybody can beat you up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really humbling in that fact. But at the same time, like, you feel so much more secure about your own personal safety, your family's safety, because you know how to handle yourself in a situation. Sure. And, like, it's it's just an awesome experience. The one thing about jujitsu that it doesn't matter how good you are in another sport, it's irrelevant. Okay. It, I don't, you can take LeBron James, put him on the mats, and a 150-pound-year-old will choke him out 10 out of 10 times. It is irrelevant. So athleticism is Athleticism is nothing. Okay. Um, strength is a great equalizer, yep. but that's just it. It just brings you to equal. You will not win because mm-hmm. you have no technique, mm-hmm. and you're going to run out of air because you don't know how to conserve energy. So it's the only thing that you can come into and be an all-star in another sport and completely be on ground level with everybody else. So it's super, super humbling. Um and that's why it's like I think so great for your mind, because you have expectations going and being great, and you fail, mm-hmm. and it makes you fail. And every day you fail. It takes ten years to become a black belt. Okay, and that's going three days a week for ten years. So nothing takes that long to be good at. Yeah, like nothing. Um, I mean, baseball or football or those things like athleticism comes and you stand out and you be great, but Man, like, it's the only sport that you can come in and just be dominated one-on-one. Yeah. Like, Act, somebody comes know, from Physically another, dominated. Physically, <laughs> where, like, and there's nothing more humbling than having to submit and tap and saying, please don't hurt me or please don't, you know, quit. Yeah, that makes you feel real good, Make me, it? please stop. <laughs> and that's a, that's a pretty cool feeling to be able to have that control over somebody. And at the same time, um doing it with people like because it's like a serious brotherhood like yeah. bodybuilding's close but like there's nothing like jujitsu yeah because you literally have somebody else's life in your hands yeah so. i'm on the learning curve of that and we've got a great black belt he moved here from brazil to work here that's awesome um so he's legit i'll have to come by and, and check it out yeah, for sure you so. should you should um so hidden gym it's a little different you're bringing in multiple different aspects um what do you think some of the pros are of doing that I mean, people like to try different things. It keeps it fresh, and you can keep it fresh under one roof here. Um, so we're going to have one of the best gyms in, you know, probably the country again. I mean, I'm confident to say that. I mean, the equipment that we're bringing in and the atmosphere will be awesome. I mean, we've learned a lot over 10 years and plan to put that into play here. So it will be a great gym. Um, and then, yeah, the boxing is awesome. Um, so, you know, it's a fun thing. Just like, you know, I think it lets people be diverse because, you know, as a bodybuilder, and I think a lot of people relate to this, you you know, you're in the gym training five, six days a week. There's not a lot of time. Like, I'm probably never going to go to a boxing gym just because I'm already going to this gym for two hours sure. a day. What's the chances yep. that I can go to for another hour a day to a boxing gym? Now, if I wanted to hit boxing class after I train shoulders, different story. You know, that probably could make time for that. Sure. And that's kind of our concept with recovery here, too, because we've got an on-site physical therapies office. So they do physical therapy and then all the soft tissue modalities, cupping, dry needling, all that stuff. 
We've got cryotherapy in the house. We have ozone therapy. So we try to just, you know, really be a one-stop shop and really take care of athletes and people that, you know, training is in the top three priorities of their life. Sure. And um, from a, a business owner, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, let's, let's take this part of the business aspect. Sure. Not from the public's point of view, but what is, like, crucial to being, like, profitable or successful or like why are gyms failing why does four out of five fail within five years yeah i mean you could date this back to probably one of the most famous business books of all time which is the e-myth um it stands for the entrepreneurial myth and the whole concept of the book is basically that um you know there's good uh practitioners don't make good book business owners if you open a gym because you love fitness that's not enough to be a good gym owner you need to love owning a business to be a good business owner. You know, you do need to know fitness. So don't get me wrong. Like people can smell a fake, especially if you're catering to people that know what they're doing. But you got to love owning a business if you want to be good at it. And I think that's, you know, probably 80%. That 80% that fails is probably people that are really have a passion for fitness but don't know what it takes to run a business. So to put that in correlation, in other words, like, if you love cutting hair, yeah. cut hair. Don't own a salon. Exactly. If you're a personal trainer and you love to train people, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a great gym owner, mm -hmm. right? Because your passion isn't another thing. If it's not, like, in your, like, gut that, like, I want to open up a gym. or Like, when I was personal training, I was like, how can I do something where I can have people work for me? Yeah. Like, if you don't have the concept of, like, how can I make money by doing less – then it might not be for you. If it's all about the client for you, then you need to stay in that passion. But for me, it was like, and I hate to even say that, where it was like, how can I make passive income? Because it feels like I'm using people, but it's not. You have no. a, you know, A, B, and C type of personalities or people, one, twos, and threes, as Andy Rizal says. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm trying to be a number one, but I'm, I'm realistically more of a number two. Like, we're better on a checklist, yeah. not creating a checklist. Yeah. So, like, maybe that's why I haven't got to the point of, you know, being successful in creating a business because I'm not there at that one yet. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why I've become so much more successful when Abby came on board because she was able to go, okay, let's do this and this and this and point mm -hmm. in the direction. Sure, sure. Um, so, and I've kind of asked her, like, give me a, give me something to do today, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that way I can, like, focus and do it um, because that's just her background working on Wall Street. It's just yeah. like, you got to do X, Y, and Z today. Like, no way fans are butts, you're not leaving until it's done. So yeah. that type of mentality. Um, so it's really important just on that note, like, you got to understand what you're trying to do and do that. Because, like, if maybe a gym isn't for you, maybe it's a personal training studio. Yeah. Right? We're able to, you know, manage two or three people instead of trying to manage 3,000, 10,000, 30,000 members. Yeah. It's in, you know, the stuff that you spend your day on a, on a gym owner, you know, like for me personal, I have a, a good training business. That's, you know, while the gym is up and running, it pays my bills. Right. But when I get to work on my personal training business, that feels like that's my time off because I'm like, you know, trying to run a business and get a business started. And that's a full time freaking job. And then like on my time off, I like help clients cause it's fun, right. you know? And if that, that's just perspective on what it takes, sure. like the, sure. the, what, if you're working as a personal trainer, that's kind of what as a gym owner you have to do in your off time. It's a lot like bodybuilding, you know, when people are like, 
when people that don't know what bodybuilding is, they're like, man, you must work out all the time. And you're like, yeah, right. Working out is the only fun part of this shit. Like, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, all I do is, hours a day all I do suck. is cook and starve. <laughs> right. Nobody sees like the, the behind the scenes action. Like, yeah. If somebody tell me that running a coffee company would be me consistent of like trying to keep up with inventory, ordering tape yeah, and figuring out if my boxes are on the way or not. And I would have been like, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> but it's like all the little stuff. And, you know, you said it took you an, a year later than you expected, right? Yeah. If you're any type of business you're doing, like, I was supposed to have different coffee bags in February, right? It's going on. I'm not getting until the end of June, maybe in July. It's like nothing is going to go according to plan. Yeah. It's almost like expect the worst. Everything the best. takes longer and costs more than you ever thought. Whatever your plan is, even if you plan for it to cost more and take longer, it's going to be more than that. <laughs> right. Um, when it comes to setting out pricing on a gym, yeah. what, are your, what are your factors on that? Do you do that more to the area? Do you do the competition around you? Do you do that factor off a ratio of your overhead? Or like, how do you figure that out as a, as a business owner, as a gym owner? Yeah, so it's a lot of a lot of what you just listed all kind of rolled into one. Um, so I like to look at, kind of the the market first so you position yourself within the market so if you've got high price clubs and you've got i have two 999 gyms within half a mile of me um so you know some people might think oh how would you ever sell a, a between a 50 and 60 dollar membership if they can go across the street for nine well there's a lot of reasons we're able to do that but um yeah you have to gauge it based on the market and then two i mean you got to really any business owner has to be really good with numbers. Um, so you set out a budget and say, here, the rent is this much. It's going to cost me this much in staffing. Um, this is how much I want to make. This is how many members I think we can fit in here. Um, and then what does that equal out to a head? And then you just kind of right. massage the numbers and, and you need to find something that's financially feasible for all the cost factors. And then that is a market appropriate. And then, of course, you have other stuff like add-ons, yeah. you know, like your supplement sales or the personal training obviously is a huge, huge piece into a gym. I remember um, back when I was working at Shreds, we teamed up with a personal training company and we just reviewed some of the numbers. And the personal training would do more than the gym itself. Yeah. Um, so I know that that's a huge part about that, and which is why um, – Every gym has it, mm -hmm. right? Because it's just such a crucial part to their business. So the gyms that are able to run personal training in-house, it's a huge revenue. I have never liked that model um, because I've always found it demotivated the best trainers. Um, the best trainers want to work for themselves and should. They've achieved that. They do. I never work for anybody else. <laughs> there you go. decided that, I quit. Yeah. So that's it. Like I And I've always wanted the best trainers. So I've always preached, look, this is your business. I have a gym. Um, you're privileged to, to be here. I'm privileged to have you. So let's have some common interest. But I'm going to provide a platform to allow you make as much money as possible as a trainer. That's very motivating to trainers. So therefore, they love the gym. Yeah. Um, so Keep the trainer there longer versus if you go to a, you know, a big box gym, it's so-and-so working for $12 an hour that, you know, might be their second time job or they're trying yeah. to make ends meet or they're in school and college and you know and i uh, this is what they want to do they want to be a personal trainer for the rest of their life 
and they they don't know how to get leads and they don't know how to really run a you know even though it's a small business it's still a business it's all sales but you know la fitness you know the top gym in the world for you know probably six seven years running now they do a ton of personal training revenue but i just don't understand i could never sleep at night because I go in there and no offense, I'm sure there's some good trainers at, at, some, at LA fitnesses, but for sure. the most part, the average skill level yep. and experience level is very low. Right. I wouldn't feel good about that at the end of the day. Makes like that we yeah. made a lot of money in the training department, but, but they these, don't have a they're college not, degree. They're not getting good service. Yeah. They don't have 10 years worth of experience, you know, training. Yeah. Whatnot, so. You know, it's going to affect the members results. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, that's basically Greg choosing to pick um, results and morals over the cash flow of the business. Yeah, that that sound makes me sound like an angel, um, <laughs> but that's part of it. He and is, then, he's an angel. Yeah. And then the other part of it is um, I just never really like was able to lead like employees very well. Like the okay. kind of person that is an employee mentality, mm-hmm. I don't relate to very well. Okay. The yeah, the personal sense. trainer that. that like wants to hustle and and build his brand and all that stuff, I can speak to that very well. I understand that guy and I know how to motivate that guy. It motivates me to be around that guy. But the kind of guy that wants to rather get $12 an hour instead of $50 an hour because it's less work. And never I don't understand that person. And I have a hard time team building with a person like that. No, I I totally I totally get that. It's funny. Um, the guy that started, um, Alibaba. Ali. Yeah. He, you know, there's a viral video going around now. He's like, I'm not the best manager. I'm not the best marketer. I'm not the best, you know, um, this, that, whenever he goes, but I hire people that are. Yeah. So that I, I, and I make them work together. He's like, smart people don't work well together. He was like, dumb people do. <laughs> he was like, it's really hard to get really intelligent people to work together yeah, because they're so opinionated in what their beliefs are and they're sure. different. He's like, so my job is to bring those people together and make them work together. And then it was, then you create something great. Yeah. Um, so don't force yourself into doing something basically that you don't feel that you're good at, or, you know, um, don't try to be a jack of all trades. Just try to master what you're good at. And I think you've done a very good job of that, especially in this community of staying true to who you are and what you do. Um, and I know, I believe it was last month, I'm not sure if it's still going on, the um, charity thing with the kids, Readers. Yeah, Readers to Leaders. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, so um, a little backstory on that because it, it's connected to the business. Um, and, you know, any business I've had, philanthropy has always been kind of a part of it. So um, back in the destination days, I used to um, take a, our trainers and some of our staff to volunteer at after-school locations because... I think in general, kids don't move enough. Um, They're getting more and more sedentary. So, you know, I want to, I love fitness and think it's like the best thing that can happen to people. And I want to spread that to kids and kids in impoverished areas have the worst of it. Their, their test scores are bad, so they don't get enough PE. So anyways, that's a a lot of uh, info, but anyways, we would take trainers down there to after school programs and it was awesome. Trainers loved it. Kids loved it. Big success. So then I sell the gym. And I don't have a, I don't have trainers that, you know, I'm sure they would come, but they weren't really like my staff to ask to do things. So as an individual, I looked for opportunities just to volunteer my time. 
and I found an organization called Readers to Leaders, and they, I liked their mission because it was real concise. Basically, if you can take a kid that's going to be illiterate and make him literate, that's like the one thing that's probably going to have the most effect on their future. So I went to them and I was like, hey, you guys are trying to teach these kids to read. Have you seen all this research? If you get kids moving, how much it affects their learning. And the founder was like, that's awesome. I run marathons, big fitness buff. Let's team up. Um, you got, you can help get the kids moving and, and help us improve their reading scores. So yeah, now once a month we take uh, trainers and people interested in fitness to volunteer mm -hmm. and teach the kids how to exercise, give them a good time, be positive role models. Sure. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to work with that organization and get movement more involved in it. Yeah, I definitely think that... Uh, you got to come with us sometime. I you, do. You and I Abby do. need to come. Let me know, and we'll, we'll definitely make it. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll do some running, too. <laughs> but, the uh, jumping jacks is what kills me, of oh all God. things. <laughs> um, I just feel my calves burning already. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think the iPad and the Game Boy yeah. era has definitely taken over. Um, but, it, of course, everything has its pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm, so. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so leave us on um, a little bit about where you can find more information on Hidden Gym. Yeah. Um, and the one piece of advice you would give to somebody that is looking to start being a personal trainer or create an online business or create something from nothing, in a sense, where you started with that passion, the idea, and the things to, to put it into play. Yeah. Um, so first question was where to find more info about hidden. So obviously social media and our website, hiddengym.net. We're on Instagram as hidden underscore gym, unless the guy that owns at hidden gym will come down on the price. Um, and then we're hidden gym on Facebook as well. <laughs> I, I tried to buy Mike. Yeah. Like the IG Mike. Yeah. He, he won't sell it. <laughs> like he's like, I like nothing. But he's got 15,000 followers, and he, like, doesn't hardly even post. And I'm like, that's, that's what this guy is. That. Yeah, and I offered him 500 bucks, and he came back, and he said, how about 3,000? Oh. I was like, no, I, I would I would have gave thousands for mine. Yeah. Yeah. Look at longevity. Look, look yeah, at the long sure, term. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, it's – and that's the difference, too, guys. Look at the difference between a local and, in a, like, uh, e-commerce or, like, potentially international business. But – you never know that three thousand might be worth it if you open up five locations. Yeah, franchise. I was okay with hidden <laughs> hidden underscore gym. That's uh, good enough. That's yeah, good enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, best advice for someone wanting to open a fitness business or personal training business, um, I would say, I, I would honestly say that you need to learn the the numbers behind your business you need to get get better at that that's part of probably what they think the least about and it's one of the most important things definitely on the gym side the personal training side yeah i guess the same thing i mean you got to make sure that your rent and your marketing all um you can pay for all that stuff at the same time you can grow it to achieve what it you want it to achieve so um other than that you know don't don't wait around for opportunities get out there and make it happen and figure it out as you go um, so you can only plan so much. And you also do some, um, public speaking, right? And yeah. you speak at, uh, some type of conventions and whatnot. Yeah. Give a little play on that for anybody that cares about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I've been asked to speak usually in it's industry related stuff. Mm -hmm. So at some of the gym industry events, mm -hmm. um, I've spoken to some veterans groups. Usually it's on the topic of gym ownership or mm -hmm. personal training business. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, anybody that, um, would like to have me do that. I love those gigs just because I love to, a lot of people taught me what I know. And so it sure. gives me pleasure to pass that on. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, you can book me on there through my website, gregmccoy.net. Um, awesome. yeah. So I'm happy to talk on all topics, fitness business. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out, man. Yeah. Happy Best to. of luck. Um, do you have a set date on a grand opening for the location? No, we're close, man. We're, um, I'm waiting on one more install date um, from one of the equipment manufacturers, but it looks like we're going to be right towards the end of June for grand opening. Awesome. Yeah. Well, man, I'll definitely be here for that. Uh, appreciate you coming on. And if you guys have any questions or furthermore, you can reach out to me or Greg personally on any topics about this. Until then, keep building your legacy. <laughs>